Hi there, this is Jules. If you would like to watch this episode on video, please go to my show page, which is loaradionetwork.com forward slash Jules. That's J-E-W-E-L-S to see the last two videos. All videos and radio shows were completed in absolute love just for you. So please enjoy. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright. The power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected. A place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful, sunny, just incredibly great La Quinta, California, right next to Palm Springs. And I'm so happy that you could join me. We've got a great show for you tonight, and it's very, very spiritual. And I really want to introduce you to this really terrific man and lawyer, Patrick Paul Garlinger, who wrote the phenomenal book called When Thought Turns to Light. And he shows us how we can tap into our unconditional love, to remember it, and to go from a place from unconditional love as we approach every segment of society today. It's it's really very informative and especially during all of the chaos that seems to be happening around the world. So I am delighted to be able to share all of this wonderful information. Um, we are in a time of chaos and that's okay because what we are doing is learning how to act when everything else seems to be going really bizarre. We're all about the law of attraction here, and we're all about taking responsibility for our own thoughts and actions, which means, quite frankly, is that we can't place the blame on the exterior or on other people. We have to look what is inside of us that's creating the situation that's making us unhappy. And whatever is making us unhappy is simply a true reflection of how we're thinking in our mind. You see, if it's not an issue, it would never affect us. There's plenty of things that go by us every single day. But yet, there's only some that really irks us or really gets us upset or really gets us sad and even angry. So this gives us an opportunity to look at all the chaos and determine what is it within me that's setting me off. This is where we need to come from. And that is how we are evolving together. Now, I know that there's a lot of people out there who are wishing that we can 
uh, be divided and be against each other. And maybe that is the divine scheme of things so that we can really learn about us individually. I've just discovered that Facebook is not a happy place for me to be anymore because it is riling me up. It's making me judgmental. It's making me all of these things, and I have to admit it. And truthfully, I just don't like even reading this stuff anymore, even though I have some really dear friends there. I just don't want to be a part of that chaos. I don't want to be a part that's making my day go miserable because I'm choosing to let it make me go miserable. I'm to the point in my life where every single day is precious and I want to remain in the space that makes me feel good, that makes me feel empowered, that makes me know that I am a magnificent creator and Nothing in the world can stop me from being that. No one can control my mind. Only me. And I am responsible for what I put in my mind. It's really quite simple. So I choose not to play in the world that's making me miserable at the moment. I'm choosing to stay in the place that makes me feel wonderful. That's why I've invited Patrick Paul Garlinger on because I think he is a good source for us to turn to. Again, no matter what's going on in the world, we have to realize that it starts and stops within us. And he's got the tips and techniques that will lead us back into our spiritual realm where we're supposed to be. And let's not waste this time in history because I do believe no matter what side you're on, no matter who you're against, we're here right now to learn more about us than about them. So I'm hoping that you're going to jump on to this opportunity with me and explore your innerness. So with that, let's take a fast commercial break and we'll be right back with our very special guy, Patrick Paul Garlinger, who wrote the phenomenal book, When Thought Turns to Light. You're going to love the show tonight. Stay with us. It's here, it's hot, and it's a must-read. It's the science behind The Law of Attraction magazine. Every issue brings you great articles and in-depth how-tos from all your favorite Law of Attraction experts, authors, scientists, and medical professionals. Go to lawofattractionmagazine.net. You're listening to Law of Attraction Radio Network, enhancing the well-being of millions of listeners worldwide. LOARadioNetwork.com is heard through 25 different internet radio stations, as well as iTunes Radio, Stitcher.com, and our mobile apps. The Law of Attraction Radio Network, your trusted source of daily inspiration. 
at LOARadioNetwork.com. Well, welcome, Patrick, to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I am so delighted that you're with me. Thank you, Jules. It is such a pleasure and an honor to be here talking with you today. Well, it's, it's an honor for me because you have written a really, really important book that everybody needs to kind of grasp right now because we kind of have to go back into our roots, oh, go back into our unconditional love. And I think that may be what is kind of missing right now. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for your very kind words about that. And I do believe that this is a moment where we just need to return to finding that space of unconditional love that we all have, that we're all capable of expressing, and really is the most authentic expression of who we are. Absolutely. And it's, it's amazing how easy it is to forget it. That is absolutely right. It's really easy to forget. We you know, we practice, we have our practices, we meditate or we pray um, and we, you know, use affirmations and we set ourselves certain goals and we aspire to, to be positive and to be loving. And then, you know, we're easily triggered, you know, whether it's traveling, uh, you know, getting to work, something happens and we, we lose our bearings very, very easily. Very easily. I mean, yeah. it's like, oh my goodness! So you one second you're a spiritual being, and the next second you're back to being human. <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute, wait, hold on. But so let's talk a little bit about you, because you are a special kind of a lawyer in that you're grasping the metaphysics and the real essence of being human. How in the world did a lawyer? <laughs> yes, as it, that is a great question. And, and I'm still a lawyer. I still practice part time. And, um, you know, my transformation happened very quickly. And I think this is something that's happening for a lot of people right now. So they're uh, waking up very, very quickly. And um, for me, for me, it, it happened, you know, I talk about this in the in the very first chapter was uh in 2010, 2011, I, I just started meeting these spiritual beings. And one encounter in particular was with a figure people know, know as Ama. Mm. And she's a, a divine, considered a divi- an avatar or uh, incarnation of the divine mother. And um, a friend of mine had said, you know, she's coming to town. Do you want to see her? I had no idea who she was. But I just knew. Uh, it was one of those decisions, you know, you, you decide to do something and you don't question it. I just said, I want to see this person. And so when she came to town, I lined up, uh, you know, 6 a.m. before the lines were even open. And I waited hours and hours to see her. Wow. And when she came in the room, I immediately just started tearing up. I had never done this Nothing like that had ever happened to me before. Um, just waves of love coming off of this person. And when she finally hugged me, because that's what Ama does, she hugs people, I just burst into tears, just sobbing, heaving, as, um, as she held me for 15 seconds. And then I was in this state of just complete bliss, peace. Um, everything was right in the world for a good 20, 30 minutes. And that's when I knew something. Something really shifted for me. 
Um, as a lawyer, I was very, you know, analytical and very dismissive of anything of the spiritual realm. So this was a really uh, deep and very rapid awakening for me. Wow. Wow. So she basically brought you into the energy of feeling that unconditional love. Exactly. You know, I, I had not sure I'd ever felt this kind of pure and truly unconditional love from somebody I'd never met. You know, there was no history. There was no connection. We weren't tied together as family members. Um, you know, I'm sure as a child, I felt this from, you know, certain family members, my mother in particular. But this was the first time I think as an adult, I had felt such, um, you know, intense, pure love. And it was brief, but it opened something up in me. And the thing that really hit home was that this was this feeling, this energy was something that was with me all the time. It was in all of us, right? This wasn't something that she necessarily imparted, but really awakened. I think that's a... Yeah, awakened. That is, that's the term that everybody is going through at this particular time. We need to be awakened. And we're getting awakened by all this stuff out there, but it's not towards unconditional love right so by all that stuff do you mean everything that's going on in the world today that's sort of waking us up to the the conditions that we're living in yes yeah, so it's distracting <laughs> us from our true spiritual essence right right well it, it, it it's sort of uh, the awakening through you know kind of through pain you know, it's showing us <laughs> yeah. pain, is a, pain. It can be a great teacher uh, it, 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 when you finally realize, wait, I'm continuing to, to do things that, that cause harm to myself and others. And then, yes, you, you wake up to realize uh, that th this is very destructive. Um, and one of the things and this is one of the reasons why I, I wrote the book is that, you know, traditionally we tend to think of. Um, some sense of the divine or something uh, as being outside of ourselves and something to which a very small uh, anointed few have access, you know, often certain religious figures. And really, this is about cultivating a relationship, our own deep, deep relationship with something that's inside of ourselves with this unconditional love. I, I so agree with you on that. Yes, it's, it's a time for us to really look at ourselves and seeing what's setting us off and to really get, this is the perfect time to learn about me. Yes. You know, it's, it's not anything outside of me. I'm the one that creates the everything in my life. And so my feelings, if I'm getting distracted with feelings outside of myself, that means that I'm looking at the wrong thing. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we often we often think that other people do things to us. Yes. And it's true that we are interacting with them and they may be saying something, but we have to take responsibility for the, the our reactions to those things. So, you know, if somebody, you know, insults you or says something to you and comes at you with very negative, uh, negative energy, or very harmful words. Uh, the impact that that has on you is really your responsibility. Yeah. 
Um, that's not to say that that person shouldn't be doing their work, you know, their inner work to not be in that kind of place, to not be in that sort of reactivity where they're actually voicing those insults. But the impact on me is something that I can own and take responsibility for. If somebody says to me something hurtful and I'm hurt by it, it's because there's some part of me that believes that to be true. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's right. You know, if somebody came to me and said, you know, and I use this example quite a bit with people, if somebody said to me, you know, your blue hair is really awful, I'd be like, okay, um, I don't have blue hair. So, <laughs> so, so what are you talking about? I mean, yeah. you know, like, or, you know, your, your unicorn horn is really obnoxious. I would say, well, I, I don't have a unicorn horn coming out of my head. So I wouldn't be insulted by it. I might be puzzled why they would say, and that's often really the, the way to be is sort of to say, you know, this person is, is actually reacting to something that they're perceiving. And that tells you about their mind. That tells you about them. It doesn't say anything about you. What you react to is what tells you about you. Oh, wow. Now that is pure wisdom because it starts and stops with us. Exactly. It really does. You know, whatever's coming at you, your perception of it affects entirely how you react to it. And, you know, it can be a lot of hard work to, to undo that stuff. I mean, we all carry around, you know, sort of intense, um, you know, emotional energy. We've got memories from the past that are triggered and we've had experiences. We, we weren't taught how to, to handle this. And so we experienced this, these emotions. And so the work is to sort of bring that up, be with it. And then when somebody says something to you or you see something out there that you might have reacted to, then you don't react to it anymore because it doesn't have the same meaning for you. Yeah. It's not telling you something about yourself that you used to believe, like I'm not worthy or I'm not lovable, which is, you know, often what we're, what we're uh, feeling when somebody says something to us. So the woman that you went to see, um, Eamon, Eamon, she was the one that showed you that you have this unconditional love within you and she gave you the energy to experience it but there was another person called mother mira Mm -hmm. what what's the scoop on her yes well she is like ama another spiritual um teacher who travels around um she's also from india and she does something very similar um they're all incarnations of the divine mother and they all impart a very distinct energy. Um, there are other people as well who people have, have gone and visited and, and similarly are capable of, you know, showing you this kind of internal light or this unconditional love that you have in her. And uh, they each just work in a very different way. Uh, so Mother Mira uh, doesn't hug you. She looks at you um, in a particular way and into your eyes. And it's very powerful. It's very powerful as well. Um, So, you know, they're all going around. Their mission is to help wake up people, just as as Ama did for me. Wow. That is powerful. And I've, I've seen people stare into their eyes and it's like they're connecting to the soul. Exactly. That is so cool. So cool. I would love to experience that. Um, so the, the part 
And the reason why you wrote the book is to inform people how to find that inner guide within yourself through your book. There's all kinds of techniques in here that we can use. Well, yes, precisely. And and thank you. The the thing is is that you don't have to have the, you know, you don't have to have the hog. It's the sort of thing that accelerates your your um, evolution and growth. Um, but, you know, there's a whole host of things that we really need to be doing on a regular basis that help um, undo all of the triggers. Because, you know, we've spent a lifetime, a lifetime practicing falling into, um, you know, deep, dark holes within ourselves, right? You know, we... Oh, you know, so many thoughts that we have and so many moments of, you know, unkindness or negativity. And then we feel bad and we feel guilty and then we apologize. But, you know, we, we continue to carry this around with ourselves. And so um, the book was really written to kind of condense and encapsulate, you know, a whole host of things that um, that we can do to really nourish and nurture this this place of unconditional love in ourselves so that when we are interacting you know, each time, you know, maybe we react a little bit less or we're able to be a little more generous. And over time, our, our relationship to the world really shifts. I, I love that. You know, um, scientists have said that we are born with like 25,000 negative thoughts mm. a day. And it's really normal. Yes. But... It may be normal, but it's not where we really should be. Maybe we came to this planet in the hopes of evolving away from the negativity into being more spiritual. Is that what is that possible? I think that's entirely right. I think that's absolutely right. That our goal here is to come back to that that space of of pure connection with others. And we've we've all experienced that. We've had moments where, where you know, you you're with people and you just feel completely connected to them, and it may even it may be brief. Or you've had that experience in nature where you know suddenly you're just you know you're at the beach or you're at a lake or you're in the mountains and there's just this sense of peace that takes over you. Or maybe it's even watching like a movie or art, um, and there's some moment where you just the emotion just wells up into you and you some people describe it as being more alive you just mm. feel alive and you know that that's it that's all it is and we and we experience it differently sports people experience it when they're in the zone playing sports um and what it is is that you know typically our mind as you said is generating negative thought after negative thought i mean if you could imagine if we could just do like a computer printout of all of our thoughts we probably you, know, you might be a little horrified, right? You might be like, "Really? Uh, yeah. Really? This is That's me? me. <laughs> That's me?" And <laughs> no, let's but delete you're right. that. Let's you're delete right. that. Yeah. And so you can imagine, you know, and and when we're working with the law of attraction, we know that those thoughts are generating energy, and they're, you know, we're re repeating that again and again. And so we work in the law of attraction to. Um, you know, focus really intensely and powerfully with positive thinking for certain amounts of time because we know that the rest of the time our minds are are busy, you know, 
you know, gurgling with, with these kind of early thoughts of, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough. Uh, you know, th- these are the things that we all share. And, right. and so we have, to, we have to learn to to be with them, to get to notice them, and then to learn to, to love them and let go of them in a way that is not, um, well, that, a way that is gentle and loving with ourselves. You're absolutely right, because in the law of attraction, we're told that we need to monitor our thoughts, but how do you monitor them? How do you move away from the negative? And you've got the techniques down. It's not by ignoring them, but to bring them up. That's right. Experience. So that is very powerful. And so can you go through how we're supposed to do that? Sure, sure. Um, you know, the first thing is really, you know, the first is is meditation. I mean, and this is sort of, you know, the kind of foundation for, for most people's spiritual practice. And it's really important because, you know, meditation is something that is easily misunderstood. And a lot of people think that it's we're just clearing our minds. You know, we're not going to think any negative thoughts. Um and, you know, that goes hand in hand with this view in the law of attraction is that we have to monitor our thoughts. And if we see a negative thought, oh, no, uh, you know, there it is. And, yeah. you know, I know that uh, there's definitely a tendency to to see a negative thought and think, oh, no, I, I you know, I'm backsliding. Right. You know, I, I was doing so well. And then here comes <laughs> this negative thought. Oh, yeah. wait, wait, what? I was so good. And now I'm falling off the wagon. Um, you know, that's meditation is what allows you to just be with those thoughts. And I liken that to, to really learning to watch your thoughts as if they were, you know, projections on a movie screen. And so you're not saying that we need to pause our mind and not think of anything. You're saying that we should experience the thoughts as if we're watching a movie. That's right. Experience experience those thoughts, let them come up and, and begin to notice them. You know, you can start developing a certain curiosity around them. And, you know, like I said, with the, the movie metaphor, you know, you might imagine yourself just watching them and, and eating some popcorn. You're like, hmm, what's my mind going to show me today? Oh, that same old story. Oh, I've been watching this. I've been watching this show for, for 15 years or 25 years or 50 years, you know, like wherever they're like, okay, we're, we're right. still on that same channel. And, you know, instead you begin to kind of cultivate a curiosity about it because when it's coming up, it's also coming up to be released. So, you know, there's a way in which you, you can see it as a program repeating itself, repeating itself and generating energy. And, and we, we tend to think, oh no, if it keeps repeating, we're going to, we're going to manifest something in our lives that we don't want. Right. You know, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough money. But rather than push that thought away, you know, you could just sort of watch it with a certain curiosity and distance. Like, oh, here I am again, worrying about money, worrying about and that alone begins to lessen the energy it has because you don't believe it anymore. You stop believing that. Interesting. So we flip the switch into letting it affect us and experience it and let it just sort of float away and just cease to be important in our lives. Precisely. Because, you know, the the key for the uh, manifestation part is not just the thought, 
but the energy that it that it okay. produces in us, right? So when we have that thought, we're, you know, suddenly we're filled with anxiety, we start to worry, we think it again, or we think a worse thought, you know, and then we're percolating with this kind of anxious energy. And that's what's, that's the part that's really, um, uh, you know, calling that, 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 that signaling that we're, we're calling that to us. We're telling the universe, hey, I, I want to feel this. I want to feel what it's like to lack. And so if you can hear that thought or have that thought and then there's no emotional reaction to it because you're like that's not true i'm i'm living the most abundant life ever and i actually believe that and i feel that i feel abundance in my life then when that thought perk comes up you can begin to explore it you know instead of running from it because you're afraid that in fact that's what you're going to produce in your life yeah yeah interesting i love that and you're probably the first person who has ever said that you, sh you don't need to pause your mind. And that, to me, while meditating, is the hardest thing to do is just go blank. It's like <laughs> my mind hasn't been built for that. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I can tell you I meditate and my mind does not go blank. Oh, uh, my goodness. Yes. No, and, and I know from very experienced meditators, you know, you – to reach that space is actually something that you you reach not just through years of practice, but when you've committed yourself to saying doing a very, very long retreat where you're completely in silence. The truth is, is that the minute we're back in interacting with the physical world, you know, where we're checking email or talking to people or or just essentially navigating space and time, our minds start operating again. Exactly. And that's okay. It's really okay. You know, what it, what it is, Jules, is that behind those thoughts is this place of unconditional love that we all know is there. And when you're meditating, you're not really, you're not really opening that space up. It's the start. But you're allowing it, the, the energy that you would normally generate around these thoughts to subside and so then you begin to feel that that energy is with you all the time. Mm. That's what starts coming up is this kind of un, un, underlying abiding sense of peace and, and love and that you're really here and alive um, and cared for. And so it's, it's uh, meditation is the way in which we begin to kind of remove the charge around a lot of these thoughts so that that feeling becomes more and more common to us. You know, that just put a thought into my head because what we're trying to achieve is self-love. Mm, yes. Whether your experience with Ama was you were taking that love that she has in order to broadcast it to you. But... Our main purpose is to find that own our own love for ourselves. Is that correct? Am I reading that right? I think that's absolutely right. It's all about self-love. Um, you know, the all of our sort of perceptions of the world and a lot of the the reactions we have to it have to do with our own sense that we're not loved and that we don't love ourselves. That somehow we really believe. I'm not cared for. I'm not worthy. Something's going to happen. And that, you know, the, on some level, 
you know, the universe or God or the divine doesn't love me, that there's some, some deep flaw in me. And if, if you don't mind my telling, uh, a little anecdote that's at the beginning of one of the chapters, there's, um, okay. the, there's a movie that I think really encapsulates, uh, this message. And it's a movie called the last samurai mm. and it, and in it, Tom Cruise plays this um, American soldier who goes over to Japan, and and there's the sort of battle with the the, the last of the samurai, and he's captured. Uh, and the samurai leader is sort of talking to him, and he's in front of a cherry tree, and there's these cherry blossoms, and he picks a cherry blossom, and he says to to Cruise, "You could spend your whole life." looking for the perfect cherry blossom and it would not be a wasted life. And the message there is that, you know, our, our goals, our, our efforts to sort of improve ourselves and be, you know, the perfect expression of who we are. That's a beautiful life. You know, that's part of what we're here for. That's part of why we're here on the spiritual path, you know, is to to sort of be the fullest expression of who we are. And we know deep down that when we get triggered and do sort of things, that's, that's really not the true, that's not our true self. Mm-hmm. But then later at the end of the movie, you know, Tom Cruise has been uh, taken in and he's actually become a samurai with them and he's on the battlefield and his leader is mortally wounded and they're next to a grove of cherry trees. And as his, the samurai leader is dying, the wind blows and the cherry blossoms sort of come across him. And his last words are, they're all perfect. And it's just this unbelievable recognition that we are all perfect just as we are. And that's that's the real self-love, is to love ourselves with all of our imperfections, whatever we're calling imperfections, because they're all just gateways to feeling that love. Wow, you put yeah. that so perfectly. That Thank is you. wonderful. That's also one of my favorite all-time movies. There was so many instances like you're just going, "Wow, wow, very profound." Oh, very I had profound. I'm so glad it's one of your favorite movies. I I had no idea. That's great. Yeah, I loved it. And and you can't just watch it once. You have to keep on watching <laughs> it and get more things from it. It's very, very powerful. It is. Uh, so I wanted to um, talk about um, that you mentioned in the book that people are addicted to drama. Mm, yes. And I've seen it with others. I've experienced it within myself. So why do we get into this addiction where we've got to depend on the drama to keep us like we're saying. I, I don't understand where that's coming from. Is it coming from the ego or or is it coming from boredom? Where is it coming from? Why do we have to be addicted? Well, we don't have to be, but why is it that we get right. addicted? Yeah, why do we get addicted? Well, let's just recognize that drama is exciting, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's energy to it. There is there is energy, and you're, you you pointed out, you're, you asked really astutely, does it come from boredom? And that's certainly part of it. The ego wants uh, excitement. It wants energy. The ego gets bored. 
you know, our minds get bored and we want activity. Um, but you know, the, the interesting thing about drama is what happens is something we, you know, generate drama, something happens and it allows us to talk about it, right? It allows us to go around and say to other people, can you believe what happened to me? Or can you believe what so-and-so said? And it becomes this kind of, um, way of connecting with other people Yes, that allows you to, that actually asks people to affirm you, agree with you in opposition to somebody else. Almost all drama asks somebody to take a side, right? Somebody yeah. did something and you're right. And what you know, we all know, cause we've been in the a state of drama. When we go to somebody and we say, you can't believe, can you believe it? So-and-so we don't want them to say, you know, that's your ego talking. <laughs> you know, we, we don't want that. You're, no. Suddenly that's more drama. You're going to the next friend and saying, can you believe what I, I went to so-and-so and I said, can you tell this? And you know what she said to me? No, we want them to agree with us and they want us to affirm us, right? There's an af there's a call for affirmation. So ultimately I think all drama is a kind of distorted call to be loved by somebody. You know, they, we, we get attention and we're told, no, we're right. You were right. And we get acceptance. And okay. we, exactly. We get acceptance. So we're kind of joining a membership club, a <laughs> perch or a club of where everyone is going to agree with us. But what I've noticed lately, and thank goodness, people will actually start calling now people and say, well, wait a minute. And so it's like, okay, it's harder to get into that membership club now that people are all agreeing with you. It's really tough. Again, it brings up that right now we are going through an evolution of really learning about ourselves as we relate to others. That's exactly right. And people are beginning to recognize that drama is not ultimately sustaining um, as we all know, you know, at the end of all of that, you know, experience and the affirmation, it's actually quite draining. You know, you're yeah. like, wow, I'm really tired now. It's not enlivening. It's not uplifting. Um, because that jolt of energy that you got and then the, the, the kind of acceptance, um, was in some ways very artificial. Right. And so I think people are really waking up and recognizing that and recognizing that, that drama, you know, feeds on itself and becomes more and more draining. Um, we've all experienced being around people who are dramatic, who for whom drama is kind of a way of life. And you begin to say, you know, I can't be around this person. It, right. It's it's almost vampiric, right? You know, you sort of right. feel drained by them all the time. And so um, I think people are waking up and beginning to recognize that there's a different way to connect to people. I just love this. It's it's bringing everything to the forefront right now, and it's so important for us to grasp all this. You talked in one of your chapters about muddy waters, mm. and Beta suggests that you think of your mind as a glass of dirty water that's been stirred up, and then you can clear that muddy water by thinking light, Explain that a little bit, because I think that's really profound. Mm. Yeah, so that's Ezra Baida, who's a, a Buddhist teacher, and he has this beautiful metaphor of 
the the mind being a glass with the muddy water. And, you know, it's when he likens it to, you know, meditation, when you let it sit and you just calm, calm down, the, the, the thoughts are the dirt and they, they sort of drop to the bottom of the glass as sediment. And then you're left with this glass of clear water, which is who you really are, which is your, your, um, you know, what in Buddhists would call Buddha nature, uh, you know, somebody else like myself would call light, that this is the space within you where when those thoughts are not active is what you perceive. Um, so it's a, it's kind of an analogy for, um, for this relationship between our thoughts and the sort of pure unconditional love that is our true nature. So do you put light to it or how do you get to clear mm, the water? Right. How do you do that? Right. So the, you know, one of the things I talk about in later chapters is um, sort of uh, prayer. Um, mm. And prayer takes all sorts of forms. Um, you know, we often think of prayer as, um, you know, reaching out to an external entity or divine being. Um, and that's, that's absolutely accurate. Uh, prayer can take any number of forms. It doesn't have to be to God. It can be to life. It can be to the universe. But it is um, a way of framing your thoughts so that you're cultivating positive, positive thoughts. Um, and so I, I definitely recommend a particular approach to prayer, which is to work with forgiveness. Um, yeah. So forgiveness to me is really powerful. And it's a, it's a term that I think for some people can be a little loaded uh, because it might invoke some association with certain um, strands of, of uh, um, orthodox religious practice. Yeah. Um, and, and, but that's okay. It, you know, it, it's just that forgiveness really is, uh, for me, a way of releasing something that we're holding on to. You know, we, when we forgive, and this is, you know, the crux of forgiveness for me is we recognize that the, that what we've been holding on to, we've been holding on to some sort of, you know, grudge or anger towards somebody. That's the moment where we, we release them. And when we re release them, we're really releasing ourselves. We're giving ourselves the gift of not carrying this around. So, when you meditate, you might notice that you have a consistent anger towards somebody, right? You, this person might pop up in your head and you might be like, wow, I really have a lot of anger towards this individual. You're carrying that around with you all the time. And so forgiveness is a way in which you can just say, you know what? I'm, I'm letting go of this. Whatever happened, I recognize now that it doesn't mean what it meant, what I thought it meant at the time, right? Uh, somebody said something to you and it hurt then, you know, and you're carrying around and you want them to apologize. Right. You want to be seen because you've, this person told you that in some way you're, you're less than, or you're not worthy, you're not lovable. And, and at the time that, that really hurt you and you felt it and you believed it. And so forgiveness doesn't require the apology. I'm not saying that people shouldn't apologize because 
if you've recognized that you have harmed somebody, by all means, apologize. Take ownership of what of your of your words. But you, the person who feels impacted, can learn to let go on your own. So I, I highly recommend as a way to kind of let go of the the negative thoughts after you've learned to see them in meditation. Um to let go and um, let them go through forgiveness. That's brilliant. I love that. I love that. But along the same lines, you had a, a quote in there from Albert Einstein that stated that the problems we face are due to the influence of our minds, which cannot be solved with the same level of thinking that created them. <laughs> How true is that? I know. So what, so what does Einstein mean? Or what, is, what does it mean yeah. to, to paraphrase Einstein in this context? Which is to say that, um, you know, oftentimes there, are, there is energy in our body, in our, in our energy fields, or we have thoughts of things that we can't, we can't eradicate just by willpower, right? So we may recognize, oh, I, I think about something pretty... Uh, incessantly or, or constantly, or uh -huh. this negative thought is, is, um, uh, comes up for me quite a bit. I can't just will it away. I can't right. just say, you know, that's not going to happen. And so what, what meditation and prayer, and I would even add, and we can talk about mantra do are ways of allowing the mind to let go that are not involving the ego conscious mind doing the work for us. Um, the, when we do a prayer, like a forgiveness prayer and we ask to be forgiven or we simply utter the words, I forgive so-and-so those words actually have an impact on our mind, actually reprogramming our mind in a really powerful way that doesn't work in the same way as if we were to say, you know, stop thinking that negative thought, stop thinking that negative thought. Um, and so things are happening at another level of consciousness that begin to actually work on that thought that is kind of running the show. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that true? That's, um, so we've got to clear or understand where we our thoughts are really coming from. That's right. We have to understand where our thoughts are coming from, and we can watch them. And then we need to begin to clear them. And that's what the 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 other techniques, you know, work on is actually, you know, as you said, you know, we we. 25,000 words, uh, negative thoughts a day, I think was the number that you gave, yeah. you know, we, when we engage in prayer or we engage in mantra, we're actually, you know, devoting our minds to thinking positive thoughts. Um, the same thing with, with affirmations, you know, we're devoting our mind to, to thinking positive thoughts and cultivating that sense, um, that, that real unconditional love in ourselves. Um, Forgiveness is a particularly powerful practice because it does release the past that we're carrying around with us. And that is the source of so much, so many of our negative thoughts. Um, wow. 
Yeah, I get it. So we have to go beyond our belief patterns. Yes. So my other question that I really wanted to ask you, when our thoughts come up, how do we know if they're intuitive thoughts mm. coming from the divine, or how do we know that they're actually our own belief system, our own egos? How do we differentiate? That is such a great question, Jules. And I think that is, that is the question of a lifetime. Um, that is a question of learning to really know your own mind and discerning. And it's not always easy to differentiate. I think that's something that we all struggle with is that we'll hear a voice and sometimes we'll know that that's our ego. And sometimes we'll say, wait a minute, this, this voice has a different tenor or it has a different tone. Um, more often than not, there are some characteristics, though, that distinguish our ego-based thoughts and a thought from, that's coming from intuition or from you know, sort of a divine source. And the first is that our ego always, almost always puts, this in, puts those thoughts in a negative uh, frame. Oh, good you know, to know. Yeah, it's almost always going to be a, a negative frame. And uh, the second is that there is um, often an order, which is that, uh, you know, divine thoughts often come very subtly and they're very soft sounding. Um, you know, they're, they're almost like a whisper. And then the, the ego-based thought comes, you know, very quickly uh, afterwards. And the, the, you know, intuitive thought is often, you know, a very loving uh, thought and, and, or it, it's asking you to sort of do something in, that might be unexpected. Um, but it's always is sort of moving you in a sort of positive direction. Um, uh, there are rare instances. I mean, and I think people know that, that you know, you can, you can sometimes tell when, uh, you know, something, a situation doesn't feel right. And you might have a sense that, that you are in danger or that this is a wrong choice. And you'll, you'll feel it literally around your gut, you know, in the pit of your stomach. And that, you know, is sort of a danger warning system that I think people also have to trust. I mean, you have to trust that um, right. even though it, it, it's not a loving feeling it, it it is warning you and that is coming from a deeper place of knowledge um, but when you can articulate it as a thought um, it is usually you know the ego's negative and uh, if it's coming from a, a, another place a divine source it's um, it's a sort of loving soft thought Interesting. You know, I had an experience just a couple of days ago. I was uh, working on the computer and I was doing some, oh, just data stuff. And the thought came up to me is, and I saw this, what would happen right now if the computer went down? Mm. And I lost everything I did. And five seconds later... I didn't take heed, and five seconds later, the computer did go down. Oh, no. Everything. So it was really 
I had a laugh. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, when am I going to learn to really catch on to my intuition? Yes. When am I going to get to that point? And there was no emotions to it. It's just like, it. it's like right there, but I didn't heed it. Yes. You know, I, I love that example, not for you having lost everything. And I'm really sorry for that because it's <laughs> terrible. That <laughs> but I understand because that happens to certainly happens to me frequently. And part of the, the path that we're on is to cultivate really that um, here, I'll use a different word, the mindfulness that when you heard that thought, mm. you know, um, there, as you noted, it didn't come with emotion. So it wasn't sort of like, uh, you know, a, a negative thought in the sense right. of telling you something bad or it was saying something bad about you. There was a, almost a neutrality to it, right? Like, right. oh, what if? And I have learned that those thoughts come up all the time, uh, you know, when I'm getting ready to leave the house. Sometimes I'll hear something like, you know, maybe you should grab your umbrella. And, you know, if I'm not paying attention, you know, I might be r rushing I leave the apartment, I leave my house, you know, I'm down the street and then I realize, oh, it's going to rain. And there, <laughs> and there was the thought though, just said, why don't you bring your umbrella? And if I've learned that, you know, what it means is that we need to slow down, oh. slow down and really, you know, pause because when I hear those thoughts, when they're, and they're, they're so, they're often very simple, right? And, and, and like your example, it didn't come with like, it wasn't, uh, and this would be an ego. Oh, if you don't bring your umbrella, you're going to get wet, and you know you're going to ruin your your outfit or something like that. That would be an ego based thought. Uh, this was just, you know, you might think about bringing your umbrella, or in your case, you know, what what would happen if you, you know, I mean, it, it, it just it, takes a second to just, save it, and it, then I just ignore. That showed me so much about myself. That's right. Yeah, if we, slow, if we slow down, and that's part of the practice, and just be really, really attuned to what's happening in our minds, then we start hearing those things clearly. And when we start listening to them, then we hear them more clearly each time. You know, you know, the next time you might hear the thought and you do it, and then that voice kind of grows, and your recognition of it grows. And so then you start hearing things all the time. And sometimes it can start leading you on wild and crazy adventures. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. will, I can tell you, you know, a, a few years ago, um, I was uh, contemplating something and all of a sudden I heard very clearly, you know, you should take a left turn. And I, you know, I was walking on the street in, in Manhattan and I just started, I took a left. It was taking me completely out of the direction I was going, um, but I just followed it, and it led me to something that I actually needed to see, uh, that I was not aware of at all. That was in the city, really? and uh, it, you know, I've, so I've learned that you know, as you begin to trust that voice and hear it, and it will never, it will never ask you to do anything harmful or mean. It's never going to say, you know push this person out of the way or why don't you steal that thing? Nobody's looking, you know, it's not going to say that there's this gentle quality to it, um, that we can cultivate our, uh, and we can cultivate our connection to that. 
Wow, that's that's great information. I, I'm just really enjoying this so much. But your final chapter, because we're almost out of time, your final chapter is on acceptance mm. and embracing everything as is. So when do we then know when to um, disagree with it or agree with it? How do we know? What, what does this acceptance really look like? Yes. Um, thank you. It's such an important point because I think that when we're on this path, we, we kind of have this notion that we're always going to, we're, we're going to get somewhere. Yeah. We're going to get to some point where we're not, we don't have any more negative thoughts. And if we don't, then, you know, there's something still wrong with us. Um, and, and then when they do come up, you know, particularly after we've spent a lot of time doing a lot of work, there can be even greater frustration. Like, how can I have this thought now? I've been doing, I've been doing all of my work on myself for years and years. Wait, this, you know, there is this sense of backsliding. Um, right. And, you know, when we are in a state of acceptance, we, when it comes up, we just don't judge it. We don't say, wait a minute, you're not supposed to be here. I've worked on you for five years. I've worked on you for 20 years. How can you still be here? Um, you know, the, the acceptance of all parts of ourselves at each moment, whenever it's coming up, it means it's a healing moment. It's the moment where that piece of you is is still healing. And we have to, this is the, the practice of self-love, we have to love that part of ourselves that is coming up to be held. It's, it's a cry for love. And when we judge it and we push it away and say, oh, I thought I was done with you, then all we're doing is telling ourselves again that there's some piece of us that is, you know, icky, nasty, not deserving of, of the love that we, that we have. So not accepting is not allowing you to be in the peace of the moment. Well, so acceptance then is the part where we can recognize that we are evolving and we have evolved and that there is no judgment around. We're letting everything be as it's supposed to be and that's happening without us judging. And that's the place where we want to get to. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So that whenever it comes up, there's no judgment. I love this. And we <laughs> are all out of time, but I want to show the picture of this book once again, When Thought Turns to Light by Patrick Paul Garlinger. You can buy it at where? Where can you uh, buy it? You can get it online, amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com. You can even ask your local bookseller to order it for you. Okay. And um, give us your website. Yes, thank you. My website is www.patrickpaulgarlinger.com. And uh, you can read a little bit more about me there. And great. And do you do coaching? Do you talk or do you have individual appointments or what? Yes, yes. So I work with clients individually where we will look at Sort of what's happening with them, you know, emotionally, energetically, and then I, you know, do coaching and um, and healing work with them to help, you know, move them towards their their true, authentic, loving selves. 
I love this. This is so terrific. Thank you for being a blessing to us all. You were meant to write this book, and I just love it. I oh, absolutely love you. it. So thank you so much, Patrick, for taking the time and being with me, and I hope you come back. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Jules. Thank you for bringing all sorts of people out uh, into the world and, and letting them share their, their uh, wisdom and, and and love and light. And um, I would be delighted to come back. It's been an absolute honor and a privilege. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week.